Streaming services got you down? Did they remove a TV series while you were in the middle of watching it? Did they delete a film that you previously paid for? Physical media is the answer to these problems, and the Disc Connected is your guide. Hi, I'm Ryan Verrill, creator of the Disc Connected, a podcast and YouTube channel dedicated to all things physical media, including 4K UHDs, Blu-rays, DVDs, and even VHS tapes. Each week, the Disconnected releases an interview with an industry professional like director Sean Baker and hosts a live show with a guest to highlight all of the boutique physical media releases that were announced in the seven days prior. Following these announcements, the guest and host also discuss a topic in film. Previous topics have ranged from favorite films directed by a specific director to impactful films that are directed by women. You can find the Disconnected on the podcast service of your choice or on YouTube. I hope to see you in the live chat. Welcome to the Center Clueless Podcast. I am your co-host, Billy Ray Bruton, and with me is my co-host, Eric Serwell. And this is the podcast that takes a day-by-day approach to politics. How's it going, Eric? Pretty good. Pretty good. Shooting from the hip. Third week in a row. Let's go. Shoot shoot from the hip. You know, I kind of like shooting from the hip, though. I'm a big fan of Westerns, always have been. Right, right. And the other thing is, is that uh, one of the key changes in my life with this podcast has been, and I, I think I've discussed this before, I'm not as I'm not complaining and arguing as much in real life because I save it for here and we move on. That being said, um, yeah, I I I, uh, I went out last night to see a friend's band play, and he's a younger gentleman, so maybe I helped raise him as well. And goddamn, am I old, dude? Holy shit, I am old. Fifty three is old, especially in a room of twenty to twenty five year olds <sighs> enjoying music, and I realize that I'm old. Oh, I don't <clears throat> I don't go to a lot of concerts anymore these days for kind of that similar reason. Like for starters, let's be clear. If 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 I'm not seated the whole time I ain't going. I'm not I'm not I'm not going to stand and mosh with a bunch you, of idiots. No, you said that cuz I find myself leaning against a wall for a portion of it. I'm just like, oh, yeah. dude. Yeah, like I can't do that anymore Tired. and then I don't do outdoor music festivals anymore. Not right. worth it. Not worth it. And then also, like, a lot of the bands that I, I mean, like, like I, I've seen Bruce Springsteen too many times to count at this point. If I go to a Bruce Springsteen show now, I feel so fucking old because I'm usually the youngest one there. Right. And then, right. but then if I go to like a newer band that I like, I'm the well, oldest you, 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 person you feel, there. You feel young at a, at a you feel young. I feel the, young yeah. at a Springsteen, but, but, but yeah. I still feel old. Oh, it right, still makes me feel old. Because you're still in the slot with all of them. I get what you're saying. And then yeah. if I go see a newer band, I'm the oldest person there, and that feels like crap. So there's like maybe three bands I can go see that don't make me feel like garbage. Right. Honestly, I didn't it's I, I didn't care when I was going to clubs in my early to mid forties. I was still okay. I was still okay being the old guy in the club. And there were some other old people in the clubs, like in the house scene in L.A. Uh, there's still a pretty uh, decent underground, meaning not commercial house scene. And it wasn't bad, but, man, somewhere around the time where I got married, it was over, and I wasn't going anymore. And then here we are seven years later, and I'm like, I, it is it is gone. It is gone. But that also uncomfortable was, uh, so this is a person that I work with, uh, and 
someone else from work showed up there and the music venue it was associated with a weed store. So the place was a smoky box. And so there's also uh, that. I was like, Jesus, man, this is a, this is one of those things where, you know, whew, everybody in here is catching man. a contact eye. Let's be honest. It was crazy. Like it was, and not bad, crazy. It was good. It was good music. No, uh, no complaints whatsoever. It just, I, I, I haven't felt old until recently, like older. Right. And uh-huh. man, holy shit. I am that guy. And then you showed up. So we were a little late to start today. I was wondering, did Billy Ray go out last night? I was <laughs> did Billy Ray go out last night? No, Billy Ray stayed inside with his dogs, got stoned, and watched movies. <laughs> right, right. That's right. what Billy Ray did. Right, there he is. There um, he is. Hooper the man. All right. Um, but yeah, so we've got a few things to discuss on this week's episode. Uh, it seems that nary a week goes by when there isn't some sort of shenanigans to talk about. I figured it would be a great time to start off with our friend Elon Musk. Okay. And what I call this week's Twitter tomfuckery. Oh, you mean yesterday. What a yesterday. So, Eric, you know, being two uh, IT people here, why don't you kick us off and talk about some of this uh, Elon Musk tomfuckery? Well, no, I mean, it was funny because he, you know, the people started experiencing these issues, these errors, you know, where it was, there were people getting messages about rate limit exceeded. And he posts a, a tweet discussing that there were going to be, a, a, you know, like a finite amount of posts or views, or, you know, there, was, there were going to be limits to your access to Twitter based on your subscription status, the age of your account, and other things. That, and, and everybody, in the anti-Elon space, but after I looked into it, I vetted what they were saying. The reality was, and what's the most likely problem is, Elon's bill with Google came due yesterday, and it's quite big, maybe a billion dollars? I don't know how much, but it was a lot. And um, that <clears throat> that likely had more to do with the issues yesterday and the continuing but lessening issues today. In other words, it sounds like and feels like so it sounds like Elon needed to get stuff off of Google and the issues with service were that fact and the fact that those issues that he's now repainted as um you know some determined thing he was gonna do to reduce bot activity and data scraping activity. Um now that it's starting to like I haven't had any rate limits this morning. I haven't really been hammering Twitter, but it didn't take yeah. much yesterday. Search Same. Is broken for me as well. This morning, search is broken. Um, so, I, I, you know what's sad is is that tech guys gaslight like government guys when their shit doesn't work, right? Yeah. And it's kind of weird that you know the free speech maven, the anti-government <clears throat> guy, acts just like them when his shit don't work. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, yeah. I mean, it's just any time. I, I mean, he, this ship's been going down as far as I'm concerned since he bought the fucking company. So, right. like, it's just a matter of when it finally hits bottom and who's going to be left. I'm just sitting back, like a lot of people, waiting on my blue sky invitation. Right. Yeah, I'm waiting on my blue sky invitation. Can we hurry that up? The moment I, I get that, I am off Twitter like right. that. I kid you well, not. I'm I mean, you'll, st- you'll be on both for a minute. You'll be on both for a for minute. A, for a brief minute. And, and the thing that's interesting is, is it's turned Mastodon. Because I always go back to Mastodon. I'm, like, I'm, not, I'm not a Mastodon daily, but weekly I'm there because there are people that I read that moved there and don't tweet and don't post on Twitter anymore. But that's really it's interesting is it's turned into more of a blogging site. Uh, it's pretty pretty much just this huge blogging site. I like the way Twitter 
moves speed wise, right? Yeah. And Mastodon isn't going to ever get no. there. Yeah. But Blue Sky could, and it'd be yeah. interesting to see what happens if it does. And I just, you know, the other side of it is I'm kind of, I still don't think all those people that got fired. At least half of them were worthless. And I don't mean worthless like they didn't provide the value that they were providing. I mean worthless to where they were providing a value I didn't really need out of Twitter. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? I yeah. didn't really need as much. Um, man, I just – you know what? You aren't fucked up on this. I just wish Elon had been what he promised he was going to be. But instead, he turned into a clown. He yeah. became a clown <clears throat> fully, in my mind, when he put – the use of cisgender is a slur. And and you so here's the point. It's funny when people say cis is a slur, here's the point that they're making. So here's the for instance, you're homosexual. So I said, Billy Ray, you're homosexual. You wouldn't be offended by that, right? No. No. Now I mean I might if you I might if you said it in the soulless delivery that you just did. Sorry. Billy Ray but is know, a homosexual. But you know what I'm saying. Yes. But if I was to, I'm trying to flatten it because here's the here's the point. This fucking asshole, Tim Pool. You know who Tim Pool is? I don't know that I do. Okay, good. Thank God you don't. He's like an, he was like a, a an alt right adjacent guy, um, but however, he was a legit street journalist for years in the late twenty, you know, late twenty tens. He made this point. He's an asshole now. He made a point that I had to take and at least listen to, which was, I might say Billy Ray is a homosexual, and that's not offensive. But if I said Billy Ray is a homo. That might be offensive, right? And so you yeah. see, that's that conversation. That's where this sure. idiot's going to say "cis" is a slur, right? Yeah. Like when you say someone "homo," it's like the same as saying "cis," kind of like that. That being yeah. said, it's still not the same. It's not even close to <laughs> and, the and same. So, you know, it, it, getting back to so that's where he, meaning Elon, if you're going to put yourself up as the free speech maven, the god of free speech, and that's why you took Twitter, and then you're going to say "cisgender" is a slur. Look, I don't. To be fair, I don't like that term either. I think that term's kind of a weird made-up term that hasn't been justified well, totally to me. I'm not saying it's not appropriate and that there isn't a, an appropriate Greek or Latin etymology to the whatever. I, right? I like to put it through what I call the David Attenborough National Geographic Test, okay. where if you put in like, observe the cisgender in his natural habitat. <laughs> well, that sounds just fine as opposed to observe the faggot in his natural habitat. No, 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 no. Okay, I'm going to observe the homo. No, do it with observe the homo. Let's go. Observe, observe the, the homo. Ob observe the homo in his natural... It doesn't work. It no. doesn't work. It doesn't yeah, but hold work. Hold on. It, how about this? Observe the cis guy. That doesn't work either. Here's well, it's got to be right? cisgender. It's got to be okay, cisgender. Right, right. But so the term cis is a slur is the point. Homosexual wasn't a slur. Cisgender isn't a slur. But a homo is a slur. That's this is. I don't buy that. By the way, yeah. I disagree with that. Yeah. But why am I saying all this? The fact that Elon got sucked into that, and that's where he got it from, is it, it just puts him out there as this. He's a he's a he's a crazy person. Wait, and you mean this person who might be fighting Mark Zuckerberg is crazy? He's not. It's over. It's off. It's off. They canceled that. Sadly. Damn. Who do you think would have won? I think. I don't know. I, I actually, I, I actually think Zuckerberg might have taken it. Right. Well, here's the thing. At least Zuckerberg seems to train more, but yeah. I could be pulling that entirely out of my ass. And Zuckerberg also, you know, it's funny is all those guys they sure got a lot of time to, to they sure do to, to exercise but without his, get, without his shirt on. Elon Musk looks like a half melted crayon. 
he looks better now. I've been I've been tracking his shirtless pics closely, and he looks kidding. like he's melting. <laughs> I know. Um, you know, it's funny is uh, I I'd say that, but that's not fair. There, who's the guy? See, here I am doing this. I, so last week I couldn't remember people's names, and here I am again. Uh, so the show was Entourage. Okay, there's Jeremy Piven. There's so Adrian the Brigne. Jeremy Piven character is is made after uh, Rahm Emanuel's brother. Is it Rahm, Rahm Emanuel's brother? What's his name? Well, I know the character is Ari Gold on right. It's so, Entourage. Uh, his bro- so Rahm Emanuel's brother is the. Uh, <clears throat> you mean Jimmy Emanuel? Oh <laughs> no, Are that's we, his other Ari Emanuel's Jim- brother. Is it's the other brother. <laughs> Oh, and he's the guy that runs. He, for instance, his company owns the UFC. Is it Ari? Is it is it Ari Emanuel? I think, or is it what's his name? Ram Emanuel, brother. Hold on, I'm bringing I, this yeah. up for a reason. I'm bringing this up for a reason because we just we, I look. So I just disparaged uh, uh, the rich people, those rich guys that are doing a lot of working out, and Ram Emanuel's brother. Yeah, it is. It's Ari Emanuel. Okay, so I'm not an idiot. Ari Emanuel described his day. Where he starts working out at five in the morning, you know, he wakes up, he works out. And I think that a lot of these guys, a lot of these rich billionaires that are still active in their companies, I think they do similar things. They're actually very busy people. That being said, if you got, I mean, you know what I'm saying? How ridiculous is it? Meanwhile, by the way, Dana White says that fight would make billions. Oh, I think it would do. Yeah, I think it would do insanely well. I think that shot would do insanely well. So I, I would have to, I would have to state that, yeah, I think, yeah, I think Zuck wins that fight then. But again, getting getting all the way back to what you started with, I, I this 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 Twitter blow up was ridiculous and just more mismanagement. I actually don't think Twitter is going to go down. I think that what's going to happen is Twitter will ultimately become um, less effective once blue sky is fully rolled out the fact that you and i i'd have been waiting months for a blue sky account i believe you've been waiting a while too um once that's up and running and people are able to moderate because there is a lot of crazy shit that goes on twitter now and i don't think that any of the racist shit is appropriate i believe in free speech however i believe in some moderated speech i'm tired of seeing monkey comments about blacks or yeah yeah it's just it's fucking ridiculous and i think the thing that's crazy is and this this will tie into a discussion part of our, our our some of our discussions later the 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 fact that you can't have a discussion in the middle or in the center that's nuanced because people will show up and they'll mix the crazy shit in from the ends so in this case if you want to talk about the achievement gap with black Americans versus others in the United States, always some asshole comes in and starts muddying it up with racist shit. And by racist shit, I mean stuff that talks about, I don't know. Let's, let's, let's move on. I just, let's move on. I mean, this is actually, this is actually a good segue into what we like to call cancel corner. (laughs) Right. That's right. Everybody. It's now cancel corner time. The time when me, and Eric discussed the latest cancelings in the world of news and politics. And funnily enough, this this edition's topic is actually one of our pictured people. We have Kevin Spacey, Chick-fil-A, and the person that we're going to be discussing, Roseanne. Roseanne, uh, Roseanne got into a five-minute bout of hot water 
yeah. uh, this week, uh, which, One day. I, One which, day. I, yeah. which I'll be clear, I fell into for a brief period of time myself. Um, because I, so basically what happened, she went on, um, oh God, Theo Vaughn's show. Right. Theo Vaughn is a really popular comedian. Right. She went on his show and this clip suddenly surfaced, which seemed to show Roseanne saying the Holocaust never existed, that millions of Jews should die because they control the world. Yeah. And, um, and of course, left-wing Twitter basically jacked off for as long as they could off of this beautiful right. gift that seemingly Roseanne had delivered to them. Like, I felt she, like, like, how would she ever say, and by the way, I almost, so I, I almost retreated an attack on bar. And then I pulled back because I was like, I got to hear, because I saw the reason why, honestly, it's so funny. Here's, I saw the clip and the fact that Theo Vaughn was agreeing with her. I was like, hold on a second. Theo yeah. Vaughn is an edgy comic. Yeah. Uh, by any definition of the word. That being said, he absolutely doesn't even get near the edges of that generally. No. no and so I was like, no. and then I saw Theo Vaughn's response, which gave the additional context. She was essentially talking about. You know, she, by the way, her, her analogies were still terrible. Her her delivery, her oh. communication is poor. Oh, so, yeah. She, she's not she's not anything close to what she used to be in terms of like co comic delivery. It's no. very downhill. Yeah, yeah. She's 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 um, there's some cognitive decline there, maybe, or at least um, you know she just doesn't give a fuck. I don't know. But what's messed up is you know that that podcast got taken down by YouTube. Theo Vaughn's podcast got taken down. He went and hosted on Rumble. So yeah. while the big cancel died, Theo Vaughn's podcast still got canceled, I believe, off YouTube. And man, I that's that's that means that there's still some power to that. And the concept that there's no um what's the word I'm looking for? There's no like there's no there's no ability to let them you, you're not gonna force the you, if you put it into context, it's not context. It's it's totally appropriate, but because it had been taken out of context so much, they it got taken down, and it's kind of like yeah. okay, yeah. that's part of the digital medium. It's on the listener to reserve judgment until they see the full context, because this is this isn't even the use of AI or other technology no. to make it look worse. It's just this an just edited clip. Edited clip. Yeah, and. Edited clips should always be taken with a grain of salt. Always, yeah. always, always. Well, because of this. I think mine came from like literally two nights before I had seen Roseanne on an interview where she said that in the next week she was going to be saying some really divisive things. And so I went into that video note with that in my head. And so as soon yeah. as I saw it, I was like, oh shit, Roseanne has gone off the deep end. Like, I thought this of is, you too. This I is like, like this is the, I was like, I was oh, like no, this, this is, this Ray. is what she meant. This is it. And so I immediately just jumped to, which I try not to do normally, but I initially, I just like, okay, well, Roseanne's done. But then luckily you came along. I was like, Oh no, here's the full clip. And right. then I watched it. And it was like, well, of course this makes more sense that a, a, a full-blown Jewish person wouldn't be saying the Holocaust didn't exist. Right, right. And, and what's funny is, she, what's weird is, is, it's not just the context before, but immediately after, she makes the joke like, what did she say? She's like, if there were no Jews in Hollywood. You better be glad there are. Was yeah, the, you better was be the, glad yeah. there are Jews in Hollywood because every show would be a hunting show or a fishing show. It's like, dude, mm. right? That's a funny joke. And 
it doesn't criticize Jews to say that no. they're the creative energy no. of Hollywood. No. And I kind of think, and also, again, and I think we've talked about this, part of the reason why there's such a large Jewish representation in Hollywood is in the early 1900s, and that was one of the only things where Jewish businessmen could enter yeah. unfettered. There yeah. weren't industry or, or, or norms or standards in place to hold them back or to say that they couldn't participate. And it's yeah. just kind of, well, it's ridiculous. But it goes back to also like, I mean, I, I certainly wasn't defending Roseanne when she said what she did about Valerie Abbott. But at the same time, I was like, the left seems to really want me to believe that this groundbreaking comedian, this woman who basically changed the game for female comics everywhere, who was one of the most progressive and one of the most edgy voices on television for almost 10 years, like tackled, tackled race, tackled uh, queerness, tackled uh, a domestic abuse, tackled everything, like all of these hot button issues they tackled on the progressive side for the most part. Right. And she also, yeah, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I mean, and has been a champion for people for most of her career. The left trying to make me believe that she is secretly some virulent racist was never going to fly for me. Yeah, I'm right. like, if she says that she was fucked up on medication and made a bad tweet, I tend to give her the benefit of the doubt. I'm not yeah. saying it's right. I'm not saying she shouldn't have apologized, which frankly, she did. Yeah. I'm saying that. Not everything someone does makes them a fucking violent racist or virulent racist. It just right. doesn't. Sometimes people just say bad things or do dumb shit. There are a lot of good people out there. I would, I would, I well, I I'll use the word good people lightly because I don't know the inner workings of their brain. But I'm sure there are a lot of good people out there who have fucked up and said things that they could take, wish they could take back. Right, and, right. And this was just one of those instances, and she got her entire career ripped away from her. At because of that and now she's bitter as fuck about it yeah. and she's bitter and pissed off and you know and i think her mental health has gotten worse because of it because like everything she worked her whole life for was essentially just stripped away from her because of one bad tweet yeah i think you, that's a little ridiculous yeah the other thing is people so i'm going to talk about something it's funny because one of the things i realized that's changed since i was a, a child and she came up when i was younger yeah and people don't want people don't remember this because they weren't there and older people just let it go. And that is when she gained fame, there was a significant level of achievement there that had to do with the fact that she wasn't within the beauty standards yeah. or social standing standards that were allowable at that time. Meaning yeah. there were the unwritten rules. It's funny. The unwritten rules that, that we talk about when it comes to bias, man, it was actually – Look, I grew up as a fat kid, and let me tell you something. That shit wasn't easy, okay? Yeah. Like, I was considered lower class. I was considered a lower social class because I was a fat kid. And she shows up not only somewhat overweight, but frumpy. Yeah. She she was coming from she was coming from the lower with that class. voice with that, that voice. voice. Yeah, it was it was everything that American culture looked down on at that time, and she rolled in. And had success anyways. Yeah. And I, I, that is that itself changed how society allowed people to be in public. There would, I want to assert as an example, no Jack Black without Roseanne first. Yeah. As an example, there's no way he would yeah. have been the star he was 
who he was without Roseanne breaking that mold. Yeah. The mold of, I, I want to call it the ugly mold, right? She's not an yeah. ugly person, right? But you yeah. get my point, no, right? She's, it, she, yeah. was, she was not the standard of beauty at the time, yeah. which yeah. man in America in the 70s and 80s, that was a thing. And so anyways, let's be clear when yeah. Roseanne broke through, it was Vanna White. Right. Vanna White that's was right. the standard of beauty. Like right. that's what you expected exactly. to see on television. Right. It was dynasty. It was, it was like, that was all. Of, and like, yeah, she completely changed it. And like, look, I'm not saying that people's hearts can't change over the years that they can't become certain things, but like, do I really think that Roseanne became a racist? No, I don't. I <laughs> right. absolutely don't. <laughs> I'm like, that. that's ridiculous to me. And, um, but, you know, she had her whole career ripped away, and that's what, you know, that was one of the very first, like, big cancellations, like, one of the big, like, oh, we got her. Yeah. And it was like, it's just such a shame. It's such a shame, because I do think it has really affected her for the negative yeah, it, it ever since. Who, it changed who she was. It changed and, who, now it, it's, yeah. and now it's the lens through which she performs, which yeah. is why she was even having the discussion <clears throat> she was having in the way that she was having it. on. So, really, the cancel space has created the bar Roseanne Barr that we know today, right? Yeah. The, the oh, it absolutely bar. has. This is entirely created by cancel culture. And um, yeah. And and again, we talk about all these things. We talk about all of this grace we give people for mental health issues, right? Like if you are poor, if you are a houseless person, if you are a, 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 a lower economic class and you have a mental health issue, we will go out of our way to make sure that you can have everything you need. We will be so forgiving. You will get the benefit of the doubt. If you're rich or you're a celebrity, you get none of that. Right. You right. make one fuck up. Doesn't matter if it's a mental health issue. You're out. Yeah. And it's like, okay. I mean, I guess I could see an argument for, but at the same time, I'm like, Come on. And I'm not, look, I don't know. I don't know if it was mental health related or not. I have no idea. All I'm saying is, is like to just jump to she's a racist with all of the background we have seems foolish. Right. Seems like a foolish thing to do. But that's the only thing we're talking on cancel culture today because there really wasn't much canceling going on this week, thankfully. I think people yeah, were so. Right, well, you know, the right was the right was stuck on the right was stuck on the Hunter Biden Totally. Joe Biden bullshit. That's why there. I mean, I made the joke to you, like maybe Hunter was recanceled, but not really, right? Like this is just the the banging on the drum of the you know the supposed. Well, I mean that that the chat, right? Yeah. To 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 Zhao, that the Chinese <laughs> still he got five million dollars for that, and so the yeah. that is that's going to be in Joe Biden's. Uh, well, that's going to be stuck in Joe Biden's ass for the rest of his. Uh, oh no! It, yeah. yeah, yeah, no, that's that's not going anywhere. It certainly hasn't helped Joe Biden at all. I mean, all of the uh, yeah, I we could do a whole episode on the Hunter Biden yeah. thing, and maybe we'll we'll we, someday. We, we, we will. Maybe yeah. we, we will. will. Let's let's get the yeah. info down so, because I want to see what happens with that before we really go deep. Because I think it'll be interesting to see what happens yeah. with that Joe Biden's actions now. Um, so I'm going to just quickly assert that Joe Biden should basically denounce the behavior of his brother and his son in the terms of selling access to him when they're not right. Because Joe yeah. Biden isn't going to meetings and talking about the things that they want him to talk about, but they're selling it as if they can have an effect on him. Yeah. And that's gross. And Joe <clears throat> Biden has to, ad the game he's playing right now is, I don't know what he's going to though. I don't think he's going to man. I, I, I think he is so loyal and won't say anything remotely negative about his family right. to his own detriment. I don't think right. he'll do it. And 
I, in one way, I respect that about him. I th- I do respect that. Like, I get it. You're loyal. You're a family guy. I'm okay with that. But at the same time, I'm like, dude, like, you know this was wrong. Yeah. You, you know it's wrong. And you know by not saying it's wrong, it sounds like you're excusing it to some degree. He, he, might, he, he doesn't have to say it's wrong. You know what he could do? He could say, so the only thing I want to say about this situation is I don't give anybody any extra weight for giving my son or my brother money. Thanks very much. Just like that. Yeah. And he'd be done. He wouldn't have to address yeah. anything. He yeah. could just he could just let the future yeah. possible suckers, because that's who, whoever's given money to either of those assholes has been a sucker, yeah. I assert. Yeah. Others in the conservative side, and this is what they were talking about all last week, instead of something, some cancellation, was to assert <clears> – <throat> That Joe Biden knows about this and oh allows God. it. And, well, he does know about it and he does allow it. But profits off of it. And I yeah, don't think yeah. he does. I, would, that, I, would that's, that's, I think that's the difference, right? I mean, and I know people are trying to do the whole co- comparisons to, like, Trump and, like, what Trump did with his kids. But it's, like, it's a very different thing. Like, tr- you know, and, and I'm not going to beleaguer this point. But, like, you know, Trump put his kids in positions of power with security clearances and, like, like really gave them jobs and like allowed knew that they were profiting off of him, probably right. helped them profit off right. of him. Yeah, There's a very big difference. Jared Kushner's what is it, one or two billion dollar Saudi deal? Absolutely yeah. had everything to do absolutely with Kush being in office, working or Kush being working for Trump while he was in office. And man, uh, I I don't like any of it. By the way, another thing that's uh, aligned with this is the concept of marquee names on boards of companies right it's part of the same mess right? right i got the president's brother on the board okay this is part of that same mess it's influence peddling and it's yeah. gross and every time someone in america wants to go after china for patronage right because patronage is a way for people to sponsor politicians in china uh the, there's a there's a that, that there's a um a a singaporean a uh, political philosopher, Yuan Yuan Ong, who says it's the same thing. You know, it's Chinese patronage is the same as influence peddling in the United States. And it is. It's just different laws. What's yeah. the difference? It's the laws. It's still gross. It's taking money, giving it to a politician so they'll pay attention yeah. to your cause. It's all gross. It's, inter- and- it's interesting. And this is actually a, a good segue top conversation into our next discussion. But it kind of all goes back to what I talked about and what we talked about on the very first episode of this podcast, which is like, the erosion of ethics and civics from right. politics, which to me starts in the classroom. The fact that classrooms don't teach civics, they don't teach ethics anymore. What are all these things that we're talking about with Hunter Biden and the Trump family and just and Clarence Thomas and these folks on the Supreme Court? It's ethics. It, it's yeah. ethics. And it is what is the proper way to comport yourself when you are in a position of power. Right. And and they they either never learned it but a lot of these folks are old enough where I know that they did right. or they just don't care. And it's like, if we don't at least have that foundation of, we may hate each other. We may disagree on everything. I mean, if we don't at least have the foundation of, but we're not going to cheat. Right. Hey, wait, I got to ask you a question about this. This is totally direct right to what you're talking about. Sure. As a director mm-hmm. of a very important, you know, a uh, 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 company up there, you know, uh-huh. the, the film festival that you're part of. Uh-huh. How many people 
have tried to influence you in your position? Oh, uh, none. I mean, I, I don't get that kind of push. Like I, we're, we're still a reasonably, I mean, we're a big organization, but we're a reasonably small nonprofit. Right. And so I, I don't have, I don't have to worry about, it. I mean, little stuff, right? Right. Like maybe still, someone, yeah. maybe someone's trying to suck up for a pass to the festival or oh, they're sucking okay. up to like, you know, but it's nothing like, yeah, I don't have to deal with stuff. No, it's like funny because for me, I've had vendors show up and try to, you know, offer me a little something, something, right? Yeah. And the, the, the couple of times it was just blatant, hey, you got me this. What can I do for you? A couple grand. Like I had someone say that to me. Yeah. And I looked him straight in the face. I said, look, this is what I want. I want your shit to fucking work. Yeah. So if you really want to know what I want, I use my word to promise you would do your job. Don't make me into a fucking liar. Yeah. That's what I want. And the look on their face when they realize, because what they thought is there might be this transaction right here. <laughs> I've now assigned them maybe well more than $2,000 in labor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> make your shit work. And so by doing so over the years, the truth is, I honestly still get something out of their request. I, I just give it yeah. right to the agency. Make sure your shit fucking works. And, and, and to be fair, generally that helps. And honestly, now I find my way through being an IT director easier because I don't do those things. But man, yeah. the amount of money I could have made in the last 10 years, not a lot. Five G's, easy. Yeah. I probably could have squeezed cash. I could have squeezed trips. You name it. It's gross. And the thing is, is I would assert that if it wasn't so acceptable in society, it wouldn't be so acceptable in politics. As the body politic goes, so will the, the politicians running that. And it's yep. so if if anybody's concerned about corruption in politics, it all starts right here at home. That's really the truth. No, absolutely it does. And we've allowed it for a very long time, since the beginning of this fucking democracy. There's yeah. been corruption every step of the way, in every level of political machinery. Like, I mean, it's just always been there, and I guess it gets to the point where people just accept it. And But, like, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't be trying to do better. Right. Just it's because never going to be exists. perfect. No. It doesn't mean that you can't have continuous improvement, you Yeah, ex exactly. Um Okay, well, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back and dive into a whole lot of Supreme Court goodness. So if you've been waiting for our hot takes on the Supreme Court this week, and I know both of you have, uh, thank you so much. And we'll be back to uh, comment on that in just a moment after these brief words from our sponsors. New Orleans 2012. Bruce Kachera drove to an address someone had given him that didn't exist. Standing in the parking lot where the address should have been, he was shot and killed. Questions around his murder have been met with silence. But this story is about more than violent crime. It's about motive and a series of events that have never been fully investigated until now. Binge Counterclock, Season 5. We are back, and it's time to talk about what has become our favorite discussion point on this podcast, it seems, which is the United States Supreme Court. Yep. And 
boy, did they make a lot of decisions in their last weekend session. I figured I would start up with let's the, do, let's do the... Let's do the good ones, right? Air, well, air quotes, good ones, or no? Yeah, well, I think there's only one quote-unquote good one, and that is the most recent decision, which uh, essentially uh, they cleared the way for someone who suffers from gender dysphoria uh, so they had basically sued this Virginia men's prison for violating uh, the ADA. Right. And um, they ruled in favor of the transgender person uh, who uh, has gender dysphoria. And uh, and yeah, and that's that's kind of the win of the week. Um, right. right. So in other words, transgender, just the dysphoria experienced being a transgender individual is part yes. of the uh, is part of the, you gain protections under the ADA, which is totally and absolutely correct, in my opinion. I agree. I, I wonder I wonder how the trans community feels about how being trans being labeled as a disability. No, right. Um, and so to be fair, yeah. there's the backhandedness yeah, of it. But guess like, what? I'm gonna tell you that where I may be different from you is I do see dysphoria. And by dysphoria I'm gonna define that as not feeling that you are the biological sex that you are, right? Someone wants to say assigned at birth, look, if you got the, the you know the dogs and you know the the balls and the dick they're gonna tell you that you're a biological man and if you have fallopian tubes and a vagina they're gonna yeah. tell you that you're biologically a woman if it's you sex talk with Eric right, Sorrell right, right here on the center clueless podcast if your gender if your innate gender expression is opposite that yeah. you're gonna have a dysphoric reaction and that is disabling and that's why you gain treatment for it which you then can have covered by your medical care well, and by, I, by, you know, that, I mean, that's the game. I think the, the discussion though is, is I think the, the argument would be then do all trans people have gender dysphoria? No. Right. That's no, no, that's that's no, no right? Like the, right. Like it's a no, because I think I know a lot of trans people who have, uh, you know, who certainly don't feel like being trans is a disability. Right, right. Who no, certainly don't yeah. feel like who certainly don't feel like being trans is like a medical condition or right. a mental health issue. Like it's right. just who they are. And so while I see this as a win, I think we have to be careful about separating yeah. like gender dysphoria from like the rest of the trans community. Because I will say, like, I don't know. I certainly don't think that every trans person has gender dysphoria. No, I think gender no, no, dysphoria, no, gender dysphoria is a real condition. And yes. I think, but I don't think that necessarily makes someone trans or not trans. Well, it's part, just a condition. Yeah. It's part and, of the mess. It's part of the mess of this conversation is that there are people whose sole desire is to get gender affirming surgery, pass yeah. as much as they can, if not a hundred percent. And then they never want to talk about it again. Yes. They're just going to be, a woman or a man <clears throat> opposite what their biological markers yeah. are. And so um, there are others though that celebrate their, that the distinct difference between their biologic and their gen, their biological reality and their gender expression. There are people that absolutely celebrate that, which is really in some ways the opposite of what that former, yeah. you know, uh, uh, described person is. And so I think that, Part of the mess that I was discussing is this is the this is the mess, meaning the the comp not, not even a mess. It's a mess to me. Yeah, right? yeah. Complex 
the conversation around transgendered expression, I think it's also very new because there is space to allow it now. Yeah. At least in society. Look, I don't always agree with, with a lot of the gender assertions being made. Neither do I. Neither do I. But you want to, if you want to express yourself, express yourself. Okay. Well, that's the thing is, I yeah. don't agree with a lot of it, but do I think that every human being who lives in the United States is entitled to the same set of rights as every other one? Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't care how you identify. I don't. It doesn't matter to me. Or how you like, express. Yeah, yeah, express however you want to express. Identify however you want to identify. Do whatever you want to do. Like I want you to be treated the same way as anybody else, as right. long as you're not dictating how I have to live my life. Or, or but to be hold on. And, and, well, let's get off of this because this is—we're not going to—I don't want to do this for an hour because we could. Oh, we I also could. don't. I also don't think necessarily that you can mandate an affirming response. No, when, absolutely I mean, not. Because there are just people that have religious or personal belief systems that don't allow for space for this. Yeah. Should you be? Should look I, tolerance. I, that's that's such an old and terrible word now in some people's game but i you should you have to tolerate other people's decisions you don't have to like it yep but you absolutely have to tolerate it and you absolutely can't be hateful in your conduct towards them although i don't mandate speech requirements to yep. force that tolerance, right? I don't know. No. Whatever. It's it's crazy. But go no, ahead. So there was, no, that, I, was what you, good one. that was the good one. The transgender. That was the good one. Yeah, that was the good one for the week. And um, but then we go into well, so we'll go into another section of the LGBTQIA plus community because what also was decided, and this was a, a six three decision. They ruled in favor of a Christian web designer in Colorado who <laughs> refused right. to create websites to celebrate same right. sex marriages. Now this right. is. We've seen cases like this before on the Supreme Court with like people trying to challenge like what are religious protections versus blah blah blah. And right. they ruled it favor. And I think a lot of people were surprised because so far Neil Gorsuch, who is a you know a conservative justice, has been ruling with the queer community more often than not since he's right. been on this court. And so people were kind of surprised that he did not go in favor of them on this one. But again, I've just got to say, like and I don't know how to say this without people just thinking, um, I don't know how, I really don't know how to say this. We're not going to get what we want all the fucking time. Billy Ray is a Republican. Well, no, I okay. don't know how to say this, but it's like, anytime, like this is a good example. Like as soon as this got announced, as soon as this got announced about Quirus, the only thing I saw people doing, we need more justices on the court. We need to do this. We need to do this. I'm like, no, we don't. This is the way the court is supposed to work. Sometimes it sometimes it's going to favor one side. Sometimes it's going to favor the other. Like I, that's what I want in a Supreme Court. I don't want a Supreme Court that's just totally one sided. That defeats right. the whole purpose of having a Supreme Court. And right. like, so yes, they're gonna they're gonna vote with us sometimes, and we're all going to be super happy. Sometimes they're going to make decisions that we don't like, and we're going to be very very pissed off. It doesn't mean that we have to completely restructure the court because they have. Because we disagree with them. That's the way the court works. And there is at least half the population out there who, in a lot of these instances, agree with them. Right. And so, yeah. like, that other half is just totally wrong. Like, I'm, I, when I'm I mean, right, I mean, when I, 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 are we going, so, 
Oh, it's frustrating. I, I it's actually, frustrating. I, you know what's funny is I, I, this is what I, I'm going to admit <laughs> that I avoid ever thinking about this. The conversation about refusing the gay couple because you don't want to make a cake for him. Refusing yeah. the gay yeah. couple. Because that you was don't like want to the make big case years right, ago right, right. was the cake right. baker. Yeah. You know what I always think when that happens? Every time. I'll do that shit. I'll take that money. <laughs> I mean, yeah. okay, if you want to go ahead and refuse that business, okay. As, as a guy that's sort of a capitalist and also as a guy that I honestly don't care about gay couples. And I don't mean don't care like. Oh, I know what you mean. I mean. It doesn't like who cares if gay people yeah. want to be with each other. I don't care. It doesn't affect me if they, it, you know what I mean? And then you can't heap like the current heap on top of that is groomers, right? Well, they're going to groom your children into greater acceptance of this deviant behavior. Yeah. I, I got to let you know, man, I've had multiple conversations with my daughter about this. My daughter will see same sex couples and it's one of the earliest interesting conversations that I had with my daughter and it started around late five, early six. Daddy, are, are, are boys allowed to marry other boys? And I said, yeah. What about girls allowed to marry girls? I said, yeah, of course they are. They're allowed to marry each other. I said, you're often going to see them even holding hands or kissing each other. It's totally normal. And then I asked her the first time I go, where did you hear about this? And then she said, no, we were walking through the mall because I wanted to make sure, honestly, that she wasn't getting the early, I got it at school shit, right? But we saw it out in reality, uh, you know, out in, out in the, and, and I just talked with her about it. And honestly, that's my true feeling about it. Like yeah. when it comes down to how I'm going to train my daughter to be is that's the way they are. And yeah. the interesting thing is when it comes to gender expression, my daughter clearly chooses the sort of the cisgendered space and okay too, right? Some people would say, thank God, but I'm not religious. Some people, yeah. what I've had, I've had more progressive friends from people. What are you going to do Eric, if your daughter's gay? I said, love her. Yeah. Move on. What are you going to yeah. do if she's transgendered? Mm, I think we'd already be seeing stuff if she truly was. Yeah. I, I don't really believe in, late onset gender. It's really not something that just snaps. It. Oh, I'm 22 <laughs> time to become another. Like that's not really the way that works. No, um, no. And you, you see you, what you would see, what I assert I would see with her now is probably a early dysphoric reaction, right? Yeah. A, a tendency probably to avoid gendered expressions that matched her biological <clears throat> space. Yeah. But to be clear and just to say, there's a, I loved <clears throat> when I was a child, I had a doll. Yeah. My mom went, I was five years old. My mom went to, uh, she's going on a long trip. It's the first time she's going to leave me alone for a week. And she said, I want to bring you back a gift. What do you want? And I said, I want you to bring me back a dolly. And I played with that doll until yeah. my friends made fun of me and I threw it yeah. away. Yeah. Now, some might call that latter part sad. What's important here is just because you express other gendered items yeah. doesn't mean so I, i'm saying all that because even if she was resistant to gendered clothing i still would just raise my child because she's not expressing herself sexually yet so i don't have to think about or worry about this i just have to answer her questions when she brings them up in other words feed her where she's eating you know what i mean 
feed her mind yeah. where her mind is going. And that's what I've done. How did I get into all this? I just, I kind of, I, I, I think that the desire to suppress gay expression is dead. That shit died in the United yeah. States, at least in the eighties. Fuck off. Yeah. Fuck off. Yeah. Gay, right, I, gay marriage is allowed. Gay relationships are normal and you can kiss my ass. Well, I, I, I think what, I think what bugs me about this more than anything is, well, no, not, it certainly doesn't bug me about it more than anything. What bugs me about it more than anything is that there are still people out there who would refuse to serve gay people. But what I'm also like, we're constantly trying to change people's hearts. And that's a very <laughs> difficult, almost impossible thing to do. Yet, we just have it ingrained in our minds that we can do it. Because, I mean, like, so I'm a gay person, right? And I, this is a stereotype, but, like, a lot of gay people are affluent. They have more money. They typically are high earners. So, like, I'm an affluent gay person. And I want to uh, get married. And I want to marry my partner. And we want to do all the things that married people do. And so we go to a website designer. And they're like, well, you know, uh, I'm a Christian. I can't serve you. Because you're gay. Like, my response would be, okay. And then I'd go find a web designer who is right. gay and supports my thing. So I'm like, I would rather put my money towards a business that supports gay people than spending my money on legal fees and other shit to try to sue somebody to force them into accepting me. Which, let's say that I force them into a position where they have to perform this service for me. I'm going to know the entire time that deep in their hearts, they are mortified and they hate and they don't support me. And they, why would I want them? Why would I want somebody who doesn't to, to actually do something for me? It makes no sense. Find somebody who does let them be bigots all they want. Like let them do that and let them live and let them have their life. I don't give a shit. Everybody in this world does not have to support me for me to feel validated and feel like I belong in this country. I don't need every other American citizen to support me and validate me. Right, right. So so just to be clear then, you're not bothered by this decision. I'm not bothered by this decision. I'm bothered from the extent that there are still assholes out there who would be so – adamant about not serving gay people that they would take it all the way to the fucking supreme court like i think that yeah, is this, disturbing this is one of those cases what do they call the case where they just it, it's a, it was like a it was a test case right like yeah, this yeah. Is oh yeah this is so a test case. because they wouldn't even this person wasn't even actually asked to create a website for a gay couple oh no it was a total yeah. it was a total test case absolutely and so, and so i just okay here's my point okay you go ahead and do your thing I, I don't like the fact that they're go- that gay people in the country are going to have to feel less included because of it, but it's how people feel. Well, and, and here's the thing too. Like, I, I feel like, I mean, look, it's capitalism, right? This is capitalism. Right. right. This is gonna this is gonna rear its head in a, in, in 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 time, right? Because what's going to happen? It's going to be a state issue. States are going to decide what is acceptable and what is not. And you know what? If if states are going to be so fucking backwards that they don't that they want to allow people to discriminate against gay people, guess what? Gay people are just going to leave and they're not right. going to move there and they're going to right. take their money and they're going to take their creativity and they're going to take everything that queer people bring to an economy and they're going to move it out of that state. And if you don't think that's going to be financially damaging to that state, right? That's just what's going to happen. And you're going to see, you know, 
they're going to go to like California and Washington right. and New York and all of these places that celebrate queer people. They're not going to go to Missouri. They're not going to go to West Virginia. They're not going to go to these places. And in a few years, we're going to see exactly how damaging something like this is to these economies. Well, here's the truth. It's never going to damage the economies. What's funny is this is just fodder. This is I, fodder I, I actually think this. it will. I actually well, no, think it no, will damage to some degree. I'm going I'm to tell you why I say, I'm saying that. I think that this case is fodder for the culture wars. Absolutely. And what, and what ultimately is going to happen, and it's already happening, is acceptance of gay marriage will continue. Look, it's going to plateau for a bit because we got the fucking – we got the whole mess that's going on now. But well, acceptance for gay lifestyles, gay marriages, gay parentage was steadily on the rise since – well, it's been steadily on the rise. And since gay marriage was legalized, there's there's not a single real conservative. Someone who believes in less government, it gives a fuck about this. That's well, but- it. They even cares. They're like, okay, get get me and what's what's the what's the what's the conservative uh, uh, what's the conservative joke? I can't believe you want to get married. It's terrible. Like that oh, yeah, joke, yeah, right? Yeah. And so the the fact is is that's how I feel. You don't want to get married. If you want to get married, get married. Yeah. It, it's funny because I had the same experience with 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 uh, transgendered men, meaning women who have have. It's so funny because I'll yeah. what generally I try not to judge whether or not someone's actually what sure. they once a woman. But what I absolutely do is I just let them. I tr- to be fair, and I admit this, I treat men differently than women. I just do. I yeah. treat men differently than women. I'm a little bit rougher. I'm sure, a little yeah. bit more perverse in my conversation. And I, I'm is that is that old school? Is that an old man thing? Fine, I'll take you. Know what I'm good that that's an old man thing. It's still who I am, and it's how yeah. I act. What's funny is is to get into those conversations, and I I find it. What's you know what's messed up? Many of the transgendered men that I know or have worked with in the past. Are often shocked when I first talk to them like that. Yeah. Like they, <laughs> yeah. When I said, you know what? Well, like I said something to someone a few months ago. I said, you know what? If we do this, we're going to end up with a hot fucking poker up our ass. I said it like that in a business, in like a, not a business meeting, but we were discussing. Yeah, yeah. And they, they literally recoiled. And I'm like, oh shit, that's right. They're not yeah. used to me talking to them or other men talking to them like men. And why do I bring this up? I bring it up because the only way that people are going to feel and the only way that this is going to end up working is over time, no one's going to care about this. Act the way you're going to act. I'll act the way I'm going to act and we'll let it work itself out. Well, I do think I do think that's where it is headed at some point. I will say this. The good thing about this is is becoming a state issue, what we're going to see though is sort of like what we saw with Kansas and the whole abortion thing. Like everybody just knew that Kansas was going to vote down abortion. They didn't. Because oh, yeah. why? Because the people voted. And I think when this gets to a point where you start seeing this on ballots and you start seeing the actual voting public having to vote on this, you're going to see an overwhelming response in terms of we don't give a shit. Let right. people live their lives. We don't care. Right, and so you, you, as as a, as a corollary into the affirmative action one, which we're coming up to, do you think that the affirmative action decision, much like the abortion decision, much like Trump's existence in reality, is bad for Republicans? Absolutely, I do. Yeah, 
Absolutely, I do. And and this is a good enough time to segue anyway into that discussion because it's all tying into the Supreme Court. We can go back and forth right. if we need to because um, – yeah, so uh, you've, did, you've done a lot more research on this particular issue than me. So why don't you talk to us a little bit about this affirmative action ruling that is really what has been the biggest sort of explosion of the past week. This is what set really everybody off. This is also one of the cases that was on the topic, topic or the docket that everybody knew was going to possibly be explosive. Like the abortion ruling, we knew that if we were going to have an, a mostly conservative court, there was a good chance that affirmative action was going to be up on the ax on the axing block. And so you just talked to us a little bit about what happened. Well, I mean, so what what was there was there was a case that was brought against Harvard and it was it UNC? Was it the other one? I think was so, the, yeah. yeah. I'm looking I, I, I'm, I'm pulling I'm pulling up my I, notes yeah. right now. I, I believe it's you I, and, and what's crazy is it yeah, it was UNC, University of North Carolina. It 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 basically they've they've disallowed the consideration of race, or at least they've struck down the right for organizations, in this case, Harvard and other universities to consider race in uh, choosing who can come to the school. And depending on who you've talked to, right, this is either the end of the world or this is really important for the Asian community as an example of one of the, look, I, if you look at test scores, over the last 25, 30 years, most, most racial categories, whites, Hispanics, blacks, have gone down. In that same time, Asians have gone up. Yeah. It's crazy. If you look at the graphs, it's like, here, here, here. Like, yeah. more Asians are testing at better rates in, in all of the academic testing. It's not just some. It's all. Yeah. Than every other racial cultural category in the United States. It's it's. I'm just going to talk about the United States. It's similar elsewhere, right? But let's just talk about the United States. And there are considerations in the Harvard situation, especially where it even look. Part of the problem for Harvard in this decision is. Mm. They, it's now highlighted their legacy admissions program, their, their, yeah. their, 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 their uh, children of current professors yeah. program, excuse me, all of that. And what you end up having now is um, Asian, the Asian American communities that were <clears throat> as part of this lawsuit, in fact, are very happy about this. And to pretend that Asians had as hard of a time of it as blacks is ridiculous in the United sure. States. However, they still had a hard time of it. But let's be and, clear. I agree with what you just said, but I will say I was seeing people posting on Twitter. They were talking about this very thing, and it was like, um, you know, what is how, how have Asians ever suffered in this country? And I was like, hello, have you heard about something called internment camps? Have you heard about something about the railroad? Yeah, building, like I'm like railroad building. No one is on. saying that there there's parity between the two, but to say that Asians haven't suffered in America is a ridiculous comment to make in the year 2023. Right, and let's be clear: for a, it, it's never been as dirty a word to use a racial slur for an Asian as yeah. it has been to use a racial slur for a black person. Absolutely, people. How people would just roll Asian slurs off of their tongue when I was a kid. Yeah. Way more than black. Because yeah. like it was kind of like when I was a child, 70s yeah. and 80s, 
They were still making Asian jokes on TV. Sometimes they still were five years ago, Eric. Right? Yeah, it's it's like it was like they're like like everybody's heard some Ting Wong. Okay, everybody's oh, heard yeah. these bullshit things, yeah. right? And it's kind of like what Asians suffer from is a continued acceptance of generally racist attitudes for, towards them, likely because of their performance in academia and business. That's the reason why. Well, right. I'll tell. And I'll tell you an interesting little story here. I don't want to. But so, and I'm not going to name names. So, I have a really good friend who lives in Birmingham who I used to work with, and yeah. at the time of this, he would have been probably in his early 70s. Just an amazing guy from New York, that kind of New York attitude, but like an incredibly gifted actor. And we were going to have lunch at this Chinese restaurant uh, uh-huh. outside of Birmingham, a place called Trustful. Right. Like I said, old New York guy very old school guy. And so we go and we sit down and we're, we're sitting down. Uh, our waitress comes over to take our order and he's getting ready to go to the restroom. And he was like, well, before he was like, I'll order before I go. And he looks right in her eyes and he was like, I will have the number four. Me wanty the number four. You get me number four. Like, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. Oh yes, I'm not. Jo- I'm not joking. He's oh. literally saying this, and she's like, her. She's smiling. Hers. She's nodding, and um, she's like, she and she's like feeding into it. Where she was like, she was like, okay, you know, she's doing the whole like polite, humble Chinese servant thing. And then the minute he walks away, she looks dead at me. She goes, "You have no idea how many times that happens to me every day." With as clear an English accent as I have. Right, right. And so she saw the look of horror. She could tell how horrified I was. And she looked at me she was like, you have no idea how many times that happens to me every day. And I was like, I had so much respect for her in that moment on a multitude of levels. Because right. like she was like, you know, I know these people are awful. I'm going to play into that and use that to my benefit. And yeah. I'm going to like, it was just like, I was like, but, and that's the thing is like this person, this guy who did this like, like one of the nicest human beings you would ever meet. Like right. he would give you the shirt off his back, heart of gold. But he came up in this time when like making fun of like Asian people was just part of it. It's what you did. And he yeah. hasn't been able to let go of that. And I had a conversation with him a few years later about it. I was like, do you remember this time? And he was like, yeah. And he was, and I told him what he did. He was like, did I really do that? And I was like, yeah. And I'm like, he's just, it's so much part of how he's grown up. He doesn't even realize that he's doing, doing it. it. Yeah. And I, so, I, he seemed so, yeah. mortified so that, that, when that I told him. Perf- that's a perfect example, right? It's yeah. a perfect example. It, you know, it's, it, and so someone I work with uh, now, Bin Lee, she's Chinese. And I she's, know, and she, I know she, Bin. Yeah, you have her, and she has a very thick Chinese accent. Yeah. I don't have as much difficulty with it as other people do. And what's yeah. interesting is, is watching the frustration within which people express to her when they can't understand her. And then I'm sitting there and then people, I've had people go, you understand her? I go, well, I've worked with her for a long time. I also have worked, I've I've had in my life a lot of Chinese nationals first, like, you know, first generation Chinese nationals who I've had to talk to. So I kind of get where they're coming from when they're talking to me. I've, I've gotten used to hearing that. I said, that being said, Man, she actually knows what you're talking about. I want to let you know that, in fact, not only she doesn't does she understand what you're talking about, you may be setting yourself up. I've watched her, right? Yeah. I've watched her do exactly what you said, play that up with yeah. auditors. And then the auditors say something stupid to her, right? And then well, she yeah. just boop, 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 
but just watching her hammer these fucking auditors into 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 despair, really. Yeah. Like to watch her demoralize auditors has been one of the great <laughs> great benefits of Why would you not forever. use someone else's ignorance against them if you can? Like right. use it as a weapon if you have to. Like if someone's gonna just throw that shit at you, take it, use right. it, own it, and then right. you know, you right. take away all their fucking power. So and- so I, I I find the disrespect from a lot of quarters towards Asians difficulties in American culture specifically to be weird. Yeah. You're like, what do you guys look, you know what it is? Here's and so I think that this is so this is part of the mess. Here we go. The unstated mess here is there's an achievement gap between blacks and whites and between Hispanics and whites and between whites and Asians. And no one wants to really get into what that achievement gap consists of really. Yeah. I don't personally believe, although there are guys like Charles Murray, who is a, who's, 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 people hate him. He's the guy that wrote the bell curve. So people hate him for being a racist, but to be fair, his stuff is, his stuff is legit on a, on a, on a, on a research level. He doesn't get into the cultural stuff that may be part of the achievement gap. That being said, I'm just going to say, just because Asians don't have the achievement gap issues that blacks and Hispanics do, doesn't mean that they aren't subject to same or, in fact, more levels of racism. I would assert... I would assert Asians get way more hate than Hispanics in this country, as an example. And... Sure, and absolutely, blacks suffered far greater than Asians on the who got shit you know who got shit fucked with you know uh, while they were coming up in America. But yeah, it's it's I think still on a day to day basis, Asians receive more heat and hate than any other uh, category in the country. They yeah. get it not only from whites but from blacks and Hispanics as well. Sure, blacks and Hispanics give it to each other. There's this this mess. But the real concern, and it also goes to the whole conversation about affirmative action. The concern is we're trying to move the achievement gap. We're trying to move numbers there, and nothing's done it. Nothing's done it. Affirmative action hasn't changed the achievement gaps in any way significant. And worse, Asians seem to be accelerating the gap between themselves and every other category, including whites. Most interesting is uh, most white people don't care. That's what's even funnier about this. Yeah. Most, like I, I, well, I, I've had people come to me, well, do you want all your bosses to be Asian? I'm like, well, most of my bosses for a long time at this agency, for instance, where I wasn't talking to somebody at the agency I'm in were women and I don't worry about that. So why well, would I worry if they were Asian well, either? Well, let's look at let's look at some numbers really quick because this will kind of keep this conversation going. Which is so ABC Ipsos did a poll that covered a lot of different areas of this discussion, and it what the poll said is that fifty two percent of Americans approve of the Supreme Court affirmative action decision, thirty two percent disapprove, sixteen percent say that they don't know. Now breaking yeah. that down even more, seventy five percent of Republicans. 58% of independents and 20%, 26% of Democrats approve right. of the decision. Now going even more, 60% of white people, 58% of Asian people approve of the decision, 
while only 25% of blacks approve the decision, and Hispanics are split with 40% approving and 40% disapproving. Right. So what that tells me is that overall, Americans are in favor of this decision. Right. And overall, yeah. overall, they're in favor of this decision. And look, I'm not saying I'm not saying that I don't think uh, that I think necessarily affirmative action was a bad thing in, in certain areas. I think there was a way to implement it uh, that maybe just didn't properly get implemented in a way. But like, right. No one is denying that. Um, I'm certainly not denying that you know there is a racial disparity between whites and blacks. I there obviously is. Anybody with eyeballs and ears knows that there is. I don't know that affirmative action is the way to fix that. Right. And so when I say that I am in favor of this decision, it's not that I it's honestly not that I think that there's not a problem that needs to be solved, but I think we're ignoring the actual root of the problem. Like right. we're not I, I, we're not I, I, actually addressing the issues. We're we're skirting around the actual issues, which is actually just like a socioeconomic issue more right. than it is anything else. Well, I mean, it's funny because when you when you look into what the achievement gap is, right? You know, achievement gap. There's socioeconomic factors. There's uh, educational inequalities. There are cultural and linguistic factors. Mm-hmm. There's the specific cultural factor of do we accept and 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 how do we react to high stakes testing right in the asian community it's high stakes testing is the way to go and maybe in the black community it's not so as an example um high stakes testing uh, is painful for people who are culturally black because generally they have socioeconomic factors that don't support you know, learning in the home, they're poorer, poor people don't have as many resources as rich people do. As an example, my wife and I, we're not certainly not rich, but we're certainly spending quite a bit of money on our daughter's education that other yeah. families who weren't as privileged in the space of money and finances could support. Like, yeah. it's just the truth. Test preparation and resources don't generally skew towards the, the African-American community. Um, yeah. I, I, there's that... There's other things that are more, uh, you know, I don't know, that are more gen- – uh, more, not, not, they're, they're more – they're left. They're farther left. Conversations about um, the, the cultural norms and, 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 and expectations that we have for blacks is unfair. But a lot of that stuff to me just sounds crazy. Look, if I want to move the achievement gap – what I need to do is make sure that black children are, are, are educated in the same or better ways than white children or other racial the, – the, those, those racial characteristics that, that are being tracked, Hispanic, yeah. black, white, Asian. I would, and, and, and to be fair, there's a conversation though that I've, that I've come to realize because I got deep into this. I wanted to understand what the resistance would be in the black community. And the resistance is there's some element of kind of like the, you know, that the white man's burden, you know what that means, right? The white man's yes. burden, yes. which is really this racist assumption that, that European culture, American culture has to help bring, you know, blacks out of the dark ages or something. And that that sort of in almost systemic, racial bias towards blacks, but, you know, causes part of this problem. But the other side of it is 
there are positive correlates with test and school and academic performance to success in the real world. And it's unfair to not put together something that's going to allow blacks in an American, in a, Amer a European American society to perform. And I just, and I think that there's a lot of times where you have, um, mostly white, by the way, uh, professors and philosophers and sociologists who, instead of finding ways to uh, improve that achievement gap through classic, well-tested ways of doing that, better education, better, they're going to go ahead and accept a lower rate of performance from these end users to get into college. That's what this was. Okay, yeah. that the standard test scores for blacks differs radically from yeah. Asians at Harvard. And there are there are professors who have been derided for what I'm about to talk about. They've said, <clears throat> look, we have blacks that come into our classes and they always perform less well than other racially tracked groups, whites, Asians, Hispanics. In fact, it's, of course, because this is the, what you're seeing with testing, Asians, whites, Hispanics, blacks, that, yeah. that, that stepped performance expectation may even be causing problems for blacks in these schools. But I don't know anymore that affirmative action is the right move. Why aren't we addressing the educational inequalities from age zero? Yeah. Affirmative That's action it. is a band-aid on like an open gaping wound. Right. Like it's and so I'll give it I'll give another example here. So I was I was in the running for a job at a very large queer film festival. And um and it's a small world like the film festival programming world is a very yeah. small world like we all know each other, right? Sure. And I knew a couple of people who were applying for that job and I knew it was down to like 3 people and I was one of the people uh, so it was me who is a uh, you know a cis white gay what white gay dude. Yeah. Uh, it was a trans friend of mine, yeah. and then it was um, a black lesbian woman who I also know. And so we knew we were all in the running. There's obviously a rivalry, but you're also still kind of rooting for each other to some degree. Sure. But we know each other, right? So I knew going into this, I have way more experience than either of these two people. Like, way more experience at that point. I have more experience. I, I've done these roles that, that I'm, I'm applying for. Like, on paper, there's no reason in the world that I should not get this job. Yeah. But I also knew going in, I'm the cis white guy. I'm probably sure. not going to get this job. I knew that going in, but I'm not someone who's bitter about something like that. I go into those situations, and I'm like, okay, you know what? I get it. If that's my price to pay for, like, hundreds of years of, of my ancestors being awful. I'll, I'll take that as a penance. Okay. Like, I, but that, I mean, I'm just saying, I get no, I where you're saying. Okay. I know, but I'm like, it's sure. fine. And so I ended up not getting the job. They, they hired, they, they hired my friend who was black woman to do the job who really had no experience in that kind of high level part of a film festival. Yeah. And she was fired within six months. Right. She was let go within six months. And, uh, and after she was let go, I received an email from the same person that I was hired by asking if I would be willing to come back in and discuss taking over the position. And it was such a hard, immediate no, but it was no for one big reason, which is like, I, I understand, like, you don't want to hire a cis white guy. You're going to hire, that's fine. You do that. 
but then you have to be willing to set them up for success. Okay, so I was you know, you, funny, you I'm glad you're you, this. Yeah, Keep going. Sorry. you have to be willing to set them up for success. You can't. Ju- it's not enough to just let them in or offer them a job. They Wait, have so, to have the tools in order sure. to do the job. And if they don't have it, you need to be willing to invest in them to make sure they do. They did not do that. And so six months later, it was like, oh, this person doesn't have the experience we need. We're not going to invest in them to give them those tools. So let's right. just get rid of them. And it's you like, what? What was that's the not the way to do it. That's what the position was? It was a head of programming position. So it was head of program. Okay, so it wasn't head like running the organization. No, right? no, it, it was, was it was it was running the programming, which is the right. big deal, right? So no, like, I'm, not, was, I'm not trying to belittle it, but what I'm trying to say is that there was a person at the organization she was in that was higher than her. Yes. Okay, great. Yes. And then that person, if they're making the choice to hire an inexperienced black lesbian, yes, they should then take on the responsibility for training that inexperienced black lesbian. Exactly. Exactly. Like I would agree. I would agree with you on that. And the reason why I bring it up is, but here's the other side of it, right? But that's what bothered me is the fact that it wasn't that they, they, I hired her, even though I was more experienced, I was okay with that because I, a, I know this person's an awesome person and they have the capacity to do amazing things, but it was like, don't do it. And then just toss them out without like giving them any kind of support. Like that's, that's such a token, token how, how, thing how to much, do. Right, true. But how much responsibility should organizations have to take to train up? A hundred percent if you know their experience level when you no, hire no, them. No, 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 so yes, I agree with you. Yeah. I agree with you. If you're going to put someone in that's, that's, unexper- that's inexperienced, you, have to, you take responsibility for their errors until they're trained up. I get exactly. that. I'm not, exactly. I'm not saying that. I'm saying – that I've heard more than once on the way out, motherfuckers saying to me, not me personally, but me, you didn't set me up for success in this position. You're like, hold on, sure, motherfucker. Sure, hold on, sure. motherfucker. I hired you for a position. You asserted you could do the position when I hired you for the position. Now, to be clear, as a director now, I know that motherfuckers will come in and they'll say shit to me. And I know they don't know what they're talking about. In fact, the hiring process has been one of the most terrible parts of this process of being a boss in the yeah. IT realm. But I, if you're going to come say to me, I can do X job. Yeah. You – and, and so to be fair, I agree with you. I as a director now will take responsibility for hiring someone. Like I, as, as an example, if I was to lose one of my employees now, I would take responsibility for the fact that we're going to hire the very basic – inbound person and i'm gonna have to train him up into the job the way i want him to do it and that's an assumption i make so i agree with you whoever well, hired her uh, didn't take that assumption well, in and didn't get and by the way the right move would have been to hire you to coach them for well, six months well let's window it down for a little bit because the exact reasons why this person got let go is because they were brought in they were head of programming so they really ran the programming and the higher ups had an issue with just how diverse the program was. So basically what that means is, is like this person was not catering to their, their donor base, which for a lot of queer film festivals is a gay white audience. She was not catering to them. Shocker. She's a progressive radical black lesbian. She's not programming films for fucking cis white dudes. I don't want her programming films for cis white dudes. Like I want to, that's like, that's why if you're going to hire somebody like that, 
hire them for what they bring to the party. The right. fact that they bring in like this incredible wealth of knowledge about international and diverse cinema and like like champion that. Don't bring them in with that being their whole selling it, point it, and then being like, this isn't really what we want. Is there a is there a market for what she programs? Absolutely. All over the place. Is there a maybe your festival? Is there a film festival that caters to that space? Most queer film festivals do to some degree, but I think the problem there was that she was wanting it to be much more than the norm, right? Like we have here in Seattle, like we do the Seattle Queer Film Festival. It's one of the largest queer film festivals in the country. I would say that our program is as diverse as any program in this country. Right. In terms of intersections, in terms of race, we cover – if you're a member of the queer community, we've got you covered somewhere. Right, right. Okay, got it. Right. Yeah. And so – and we make a concerted effort to make sure that our program is diverse. We don't want it to be too white, but we also want to respect that our donor base is still predominantly gay white men or gay lesbians or, you know, or white lesbians. Like that is over 50% of our support. Right. And so – you're wanting to cater to that group, but also not ignore all of these amazing other communities and intersections that are created. Because I'll be clear, like as a gay man, I'm tired of seeing films about people coming out of the closet and young boys falling in love and AIDS documentaries. Like I've seen these till I'm, I'm blue in the face. Like I don't care about those stories anymore. I want to see these stories that don't that don't that are not my periphery that are like out there. Or Wait, like, so, by the way, are there any are there any uh, gay films about Two older gay men and their adopted plenty. child. Plenty. Yeah, really? I don't think oh, I plenty. Don't. Oh, absolutely. But like, that's the thing, though. Like, I would rather see personally an, a story about an intersex person or a trans person or a pansexual person because I'm not as familiar with those stories. They haven't been beaten into my head. And, um, but yeah, it, it's just, it's one of those things where it's like you've got to be willing to put in the effort. I'll give you another final example on this topic. Um, without naming names, I had an employee, uh, once who, uh, was terminated. I was, I was their employer. I had to terminate them. They were the only person of color in the organization, which makes that a difficult decision, whether, you know, it just does. And, you know, it was easy on one hand because this person was abjectly failing in their job, not meeting any of their metrics. And in fairness, I should have terminated them a year earlier, but I didn't. And when I did finally, you know, let this person go, I was presented that, well, well, you didn't really set me up for success. And it was like, well, we, we set metrics together. You and I got together. We set what our metrics were. I offered you support everywhere that I could without training you how to do your job that you were hired to do. And you failed every metric we set. So Which you I, trained her. She asked for additional training. If I could have, but it's not, that's the thing that was like, I could have, but like she's in a, she was, this person was in a development job. Yeah. Like this is person who's responsible essentially for the financial stability of the organization. Like that is a specialized job. Like I can't do your job for you. You're supposed to be the bearer of knowledge in that position. I can support you, but I can't train you how to do something that I've never really been trained to do myself. So it's like, and so that was really the issue, which it was like, you didn't set me up for success. And it was like, I, I supported you where you needed it, 
Like I trusted you to do the job that you were hired to do that you professed that you were able to do yeah. and you failed every metric. I can't just have you fail every metric perpetually. It, it, like that, that, that's not the way that works. You're getting, no, paid no, I, yeah. it's like, I, don't, I, don't, I don't disagree with you. I just, I guess here's, here's my thing, I guess. Right. I, I yeah. kind of, you in the space of this decision, right. In the space yeah. of the affirmative action decision. Yeah. I, I, I think that there's so much that could be done to support black Americans. Yes. It's outside of this mess. I think that affirmative action as it instantiated itself through the seventies, the eighties and the nineties was entirely necessary. Yeah. But we're getting to a point now where, I mean, I don't know if you, if you do any significant reading on some of the fucking horrible things said by Harvard administrators about Asians in this whole process, it's turning into a prejudicial attitude towards Asians at some organizations. And, you yeah. know, in this case, I'm talking about oh, Harvard. Yeah. And it's like, you get out of here with that. You can't do that. You're yeah. not allowed to do that. It's not okay at all in any direction. If you're going to preach, yeah. and I agree with this preaching, by the way, that people should be treated equally, that people should be given a consideration for past damages to their specific community. I'm down. If you're going to be turning that into some of the negative shit that I've seen about Asian Americans in Harvard, in the Harvard administrator emails, you've lost it. You've lost this. You're, you've lost the script. It's bullshit. It's not what I'm going to accept as a centrist in this country. I'm not going to accept it. I'm not going to accept counter prejudice, right? I'm not going to yeah. accept that. Well, I and, mean, this also brings up, you mentioned it earlier. I mean, so if you ask me, are you okay with this affirmative action ruling? My answer is yes. Now, obviously that needs context. It's not just a yes. There's there's caveats to that. Right. But in that same breath, legacy admissions need to go away. Because let me tell you, I know people who have gotten into very prestigious schools only because their parents went there. And these people are, to say it politely, not the brightest bulbs in the chandelier. And they are not people that on their own merit would have ever gotten into a place like that. But they have because their parents win or their parents donate money or blah, blah, blah. Like those need to go. Everybody needs to be on an even keel. And I know it's not possible right now because the disparity is so large. But in a utopic world, everybody starts at the same place. And shocker, your achievement is what gets you to where you want to go. And so until we get there, it's going to be – and if we ever get there. We're never going to get there, right? No, exactly. See, but like there, it, isn't, it, there isn't any such thing as, no, a, no. as, a, as a baseline for everybody. No. And in fact, you wouldn't really want that because it's been, as we discussed last week, it's been the disparity in resources sometimes encountered by those who have success that have allowed them to make – advancements in society with the excess cap capital or cash that they had. <clears throat> I guess I just, there's this also, there's this, there's a saying, right. Um, or there's a, there's an attitude. Um, and I don't, I don't like the attitude that some sort of social justice advocates have about the need for the need for 
prejudice or discrimination now to redress discrimination in the past. I yeah. mean, even Ibram Kendi is, he's literally said that, the, what was it? I don't know if it was literally he said, but he essentially said the only cure for past discrimination is current discrimination. And I don't agree with that at all. I don't agree yeah. with that at yeah. all. The fact is you can, you can work with groups of people to gain you can work with groups of people to have them be more successful in these areas. I don't accept the attack on meritocracy in the United States. I don't accept the attack on knowledge in the United States. I don't, I don't accept the validity of other ways of knowing. Okay. I'm sorry. Well, there's what works and there's what doesn't work. Okay. Well, the gurus and the results. Sorry. Well, did I use the term guru? Jesus no, Christ. that's right. No, you're fine. Dis so discri I mean, yeah, I mean the discrimination thing, you're either anti-discrimination or you're, you're pro-discrimination. Like, I mean, discrimination is one of those things. And it's like, so what is the difference between, you know, like affirmative action and like, you know, it is to some degree. If you're saying I'm hiring this person and the reason that I'm hiring this person is because they're a different race than another person, regardless of whether it's protected or not, that's right. still discrimination. Right. That is still discrimination. And what makes that different than any other form of discrimination. It's the same thing. Like it may, you may have decided that it's an altruistic form of discrimination, but it is still discrimination. You're still right. saying that I'm going to give this particular race a leg up for whatever reason. And it may be a justified reason or whatever. It's still fucking discrimination, right. regardless of how you look at it. Right. And, um, you know, and if, if it becomes a state by state thing, I mean, okay, like that will play out the way things like that play out. Like right. some states will, you know, I live in Washington. Our governor came out the day this was announced and said, we are not changing anything about the way we do business. And I think a lot of states are going to probably follow suit there. Yeah, but California actually struck down their affirmative action yeah. in the schools years ago. Yeah, well, a lot and of places. You want to know the sad truth? Is it decreased? It decreased uh, participation in college for blacks and Hispanics. It did. And so you can yeah. expect... The same thing to happen at Harvard. You can expect a, I would assert, a 10 to 30% decrease in participation by blacks and maybe something similar for Hispanics. Do I like that? No. But I think that the solution for it is greater focus on solutions for education and educational access in the black community. That's where you look. And that's, it was funny is as a child, when I was first sort of addressing this, that's how I saw it, and I honestly haven't changed much since then. I always assumed that the move would be to um, give out appropriate, you know, education to these communities. The problem is it gets turned into, and there's that thing where it starts to sound like the white man's the white man's burden, right? And I don't want to do that either. So I just kind of, well, what, well, yeah, well, like thinking about like what would I rather have? Would I rather someone say? you know what, we have this policy called affirmative action, which is going to give you a better chance of getting to a college or whatever. Or would I, would I rather see like every black child being given like a, an education a voucher? I'm just, I'm just ballparking right here. Like an education voucher or something voucher. that yeah. you can use that is going to grant you access to these, these educational systems as you grow older that are going to give you an equal footing 
with with white kids, with any other child. Like a voucher for a private school? Are you, are well, you saying well, are we I'm just, vouchers just, for private just schools? Saying, really? like you're gonna be, I'm just right? saying you're going to be given, you know, a parity in, wait, wait, in so some are you, form. Wait, so are you, are, you, are, you, are you good with school choice then? For black, for, I mean, look. So as, long choice, as, long black as, as long as it is equitably handled, absolutely. Okay. I mean, as long, I have no that, issue I want to with be clear, That's fairly controversial, what you just said, and I'm okay because I would agree with you. I, Probably I don't the most think we should. space I have here is that I believe in school choice specifically because it would allow – and by the way, this is – it's popular in the black community. It would allow schools to be created and focused directly to the needs of the black community and – I don't understand why people would be against that, but here we are. No, I'm 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 certainly not against it. I think as long as they are equitably handled yep. and that everybody has equal access, I think absolutely. I think I have no problem. I don't think choice is a bad thing. I think I don't think any parent should be shoehorned into where they have to send their kid. Right. Because right. then you're taking then you're taking away rights from the parent. Like then that is like that is the epitome of like you know, you want, I mean, you want the parents to have at least, at least some level of control on where they send their kids to school, right? Like, you I, want them I, to be I, able no, to no, no. So I want to be clear that I am 100% in the realm of belief in school choice and even school vouchers. However, yeah. I don't believe in the abolishment of the public school system. Oh, I no, I don't the, either. I think that the public school system Look. should be subjected to the same type of. Well, the same type of thing you get subjected to in business, which is competition, right? Well, pe- competition, well that's the thing. Yeah. Will breed, competition will breed a better quality for these schools. I mean, look, some of the – so it's funny. There's this big war going on in reading right now. So the way you yeah. teach reading, you have the science of reading, and then you have the older uh, – uh, you know, whole language or three queuing space. Okay. And yeah. I'm not going to go deep into those. It's, it's really niche, but for me, it means something because my daughter, I could see some of the issues we had with this newer for me style of whole language or three queuing. Part of the reason why she's in private school now is I want more science of reading or really phonics based reading talk to my child. And that's an example of where if there had been competition in the school system, that would have happened. That being said, there are going to be, dozens of subjects that would that would work for black children in that space that if you were to go into the black community and create schools tailored to the the unique educational needs of black children you would probably improve their their test scores their performance their excitement about and around school it would probably change the 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 the, the social acceptance of what school is in the black community and, and, and really probably have there be less of an achievement gap. That's my assertion. Do I have the numbers to support that? No. And I know there's right. going to be 50,000 assholes out there saying, well, the data says, okay, fine. I don't believe that blacks are genetically inferior to whites. I don't believe it. And I not. think that you can have the same level of, or even greater, of performance for anybody, and it has nothing to do I with their the, skin. I think the argument's the, greater. I think the argument's greater that they're <laughs> generally superior to whites in a lot of ways. Well, that's what I'm trying to say. Like, there's no inferiority there. Like, if anything, if anything, they're <laughs> blacks are way better than whites. 
Well, that's I guess that's what I'm trying to say is that 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 what makes that decision better, that yeah. even that term is going to be a subjective statement based on what you find of value in your life. Okay. Yeah. So for me, um, I like and and always looked up to people that were performing in sports or in the arts. Yeah. And yeah. blacks are unparalleled in these areas, as an example. Also, I want to be clear, I've worked with dozens of black individuals now at my work, and there's I I've I've never got y'all, y'all listen, y'all listen. Eric has one black friend. No, no, it's not I'm one kidding, black I'm kidding, friend. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Multiple black friends. What I'm trying to say is is I've never given a black individual leeway. Because they're black. Because I think that's racist. In fact, yeah. I think the whole thing is it's ridiculous to me. You just treat people like people. And what I've found is some of the highest performing people I've ever worked with have been black. Duh. Oh, absolutely. No. I mean, look, I – again. It's yeah. crazy. The, whole yeah, thing, look, the achievement I, gap itself is – look, the reason why I bring the achievement gap up is because that's what affirmative action was about. Is oh, to absolutely. close the achievement gap. And it, that and it said, hasn't worked. It has, it has fucking – failed for the last 30 years and look i'm not saying that the idea behind it wasn't moderately noble at the time maybe it had i'm sure there were i'm sure it, i'm sure there were good intentions behind i think it, it was required at the time it just did not it, it just at the time. it just did not go the way people thought it would go and now we need to rethink that whether that is a state by state thing is up for discussion whether it is an i mean i personally i mean I'm not – I know this sounds like – I'm not always someone who thinks that everything should be on a state-by-state basis. I think some things are universal and need to be treated as such. But I think this is one of those – You know, I'm thinking about in terms of like if a black person had gone to my high school, they'd have been fucked. Yeah. They'd have been fucked. Like they would have gotten next to no education. Yeah. And like – I, you know, I, I would want them to have a choice. I would want them to have a choice. You can either go to this like straight up cracker school and get a cracker ass education, or you can go to this school, you know, that actually can do something for you. And you're not going to like, I, I would, I just, yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with choice. Uh, just yet another, another, another scoop of a uh, dirt into the grave of us being uh, conservatives, Eric. Um, <laughs> I know yet more evidence, yet more grist for the mill. I, I mean, I, I, yeah. Uh, it's um, we're going to do an episode soon. I promise where we just rail on terrible things. Republicans have done. Well, no, I mean, here's, what's funny is I know that it, and I know that this shows up for you as well as I do. Yeah. Everything that the Republicans did when we were children, not everything, but you know what I'm saying? That yeah. all of the big chunky ones were terrible. Right. And that the, the stranglehold that religion had on the social conversation in the 70s and 80s was undeniable and in fact was dying in the 80s so you and i both well me more so than you came of age in the 80s and i was around as it died and so i now just assume all of that stuff is stupid let them have their shit right fine you know and i always make this argument towards religious uh religious people i'll say Look, if you don't want to have an abortion, I'm not saying you should be made to have an abortion. Don't have an abortion. Yeah. No, but I don't want other. So <clears throat> the concept that religious beliefs should be enforced on others by law is the ridiculous thing that I fought against as a kid, right, as a teen. And obviously something that you consider now, especially as someone who's gay, right, you, mm-hmm. right, that it's, it's a religious restriction, you know, the stoning of gays, 
you know, sure. generally, generally murders the prescription for gayness. And I think that's more a human response, not a godly response, right? Most people want to kill gays. Because, I mean, how, dude, it's a trope now. How many Republican men, Re- Republican men, Republican men have been anti-gay, and now it turns out that they're gay? It was self-hating oh, weird yeah. shit. Oh, well, and that so, happens. Yeah, that happens. And all so the time. reason why you and I don't end up railing on conservatives is because some of the re- some of the ridiculous realities are tropes by this point. The yeah. self-hating gay man showing up as a conservative Republican, yeah. uh, you know, legislating against gay people. It's ridiculous. You, when you hear of it, you go, yeah, anyways, let's move on. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. That there's, yeah. there's in many ways less social power to be a douchebag Republican than there is in being a douchebag progressive leftist trying to push weird shit on us, right? Like, but uh, as an example, <clears throat> there's a woman in uh, England who is talking about this. She's an author and she's a member of the, of the, of the Igbo Royal family mm-hmm. who sold slaves until 1950. Okay. And for her to come up and start talking about whites having to atone for slavery is an example of ridiculousness from the left. You ma'am, your family literally sold your your nation sold millions of blacks into slavery. Yeah, get out of here! Two million people came out hey, of Namibia. You Just know, you know whose family did not deal in Who's? slaves? Donald Who? Trump's. You saw that this week, right? Donald Trump's the only president who has not got a connection to slave owners. And I'm that's like, so that's because his that's because his family was too fucking broken trash ass to afford them yeah they, you're a trash exactly like, sorry okay to, anywho all right um enough of the tan we've gone down plenty of tangents this week uh, no, that, that, sure- that was a good that was an important tangent okay yeah, that was an important all tangent. of our tangents all the, tangents the, are important the, the, the anti-republican rant i think that what we could do is we should go we should do a, an episode where we just talked dude your buddy uh ramaswai or whatever his name is ramaswani ramaswani Holy he shit. He ain't my buddy. Let's be clear. He Holy ain't my shit. buddy. That guy had probably one of the worst interviews I'd seen in a long time last He's week. He's very problematic. It's fucking terrible. And he was terrible. And the reality, it was exposed to me at that point that this is just a book writing campaign for him. That fucking asshole. But whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, let's, we could do a Republican shit talking uh, one. Uh, it's just, you know what it is, is that I'm more liberal and I am more progressive. I'm not a progressive, Same. but I'm Same. more liberal and progressive than any fucking Republican or any conservative. And I just want my side to appear clean so that when I debate, my debate doesn't turn into whatabouts for so many stupid shit, yeah. being, so much stupid, ridiculous shit being said from the left, when in reality, all of us want to reduce suffering. Will we ever completely destroy? Get rid of suffering? No. But is it appropriate to have the reduction of suffering as a lens? I assert it is. Okay? Is it ever going to be done? No. Because, in fact, the line for what suffering moves. That's how you know you're you're being successful at reducing suffering in a society is the line starts to move. And it's at that point when liberals and progressives need to start going, "Mm, maybe it isn't. Maybe, maybe, Maybe words aren't violence. Because that's yeah. a mistake. Maybe there's not enough violence, so the motherfucker is going to say words are violence. You're out of your mind. Anyways. 
On that note, we want to thank you for listening yet again to our ramblings. Uh, and rantings. Uh, very quickly, and I mean very quickly before we go, this is a surprise for Eric. We got our first, our finally our first audience question. Great. Let's go. Um, this is from Kara from Pittsburgh. So we got Hi, a Kara. Pittsburgh listener, Eric. Beautiful. Very simple question, but I'm not going to let you give a very long answer. We'll go, we'll go in Thank depth God. on a future episode. Who do you think is the most successful American president in history? You go Not first. the best, I mean, but most successful. You have an answer. Let me and let me think. I, mine is a very generic answer. I, I, I mean, look, I, it's you're going to ask me a lot of questions about presidents, and I'm just going to say FDR because right, I think that's the, that's right. the applicable answer, especially if we're talking about yes, who accomplished that was my answer. Who, who accomplished the most. Yeah. It's yeah, hard not answer. to say FDR. It's FDR because of the it's New FDR. Deal specifically. Yeah. And because, I mean, and I, I, ironically enough for this podcast, he's, it was within his, uh, within his, it, within his administration that the concept of administ- of affirmative action was first started to put into place. Now, I think and there's so- an, yeah. And I think there's an <laughs> argument to be made if the question is, you know, say the question was which president has uh, produced the most, let's say, fundamental change in society. Like, or who is, which president has changed the world the most? Let's put it that way. Then I think the argument is to be made that it's Truman. Because yeah. when you drop an atomic bomb, yeah. you're changing the world. So, like, there's a lot he, of different he, answers he, he depending become, on this. He has become death. But no, it's funny when you said it because I, I started to think about that. I'm like, successful, I'm like, got to be FDR, right? Because not only was the longest serving president, right? Yeah. Um, but the New Deal was yeah. a radical departure. Now, to be fair, many would argue that FDR made that deal in the face of growing communist and, 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 and anarchist pushes in society, and I would agree with that. But FDR, I would, by the way, so funny, you and I didn't talk about this beforehand, but I agree, FDR, by the way, not even close, FDR, easily. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for that question, Kara. Keep sending your questions in. We would love to chat about them. That's awesome. We'll answer a question. Dude, I like that. I like, I want people to send in more questions because I I had to think about that. My favorite president is an FDR, right? No, mine either. It's not, yeah. Yeah, great. Uh, well, thank you all so much. Uh, the Center Clueless podcast is produced by Ryan Verrill. Hi, Ryan. Please visit us at centerclueless.com for more information or find us on the socials at Center Clueless. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And, and folks, if you haven't reviewed us on Apple Podcasts yet, please do it. It only takes like five minutes. It's super helpful. Uh, so leave us a review, except if it's a nasty review, then you can keep it to yourself. <laughs> If you have a question, comment, or criticism, you can email us at centerclueless at gmail.com. That's where you send us your nasty comments yeah, yeah, yeah. and your criticism. Let's talk about your nasty. Your nasty stuff it. is good. Yes. Yeah, please. we will we will address your nastiness and we'll do it in a very equitable way. Uh, and so email us there and we would love to talk about it. Uh, until next time, whether you're left, right, or somewhere in the center, we hope you're a little less clueless, just like us. <laughs> <laughs>